Mac Power Users, Episode 214, Education Tech. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd alongside David Sparks. Hey, David. Katie Floyd, how are you today? Yeah, it's, it's uh, as the day we sit down to record this, it's Apple Announcement Day. So I've, I've had a good day. It's like Christmas for me. Yeah, it's, uh, I'd written on the blog, it's like Christmas and, you know, opening your presents and the Super Bowl and the Oscars all wrapped them into one big little package for us okay. geeks. Right. And today was a really big one. Uh, we thought we would cover just kind of our thoughts on it in 10 minutes or less. So if you're listening to this, I know there's a lot of people who want to hear what we think about it. And there's a lot of people that don't care. So if you don't care, if you just advance 10 minutes right now, we promise we will resume normal programming and talk about education. But uh, for the next 10 minutes, let's talk about it. All right. So big announcements today, September 9th, 2014. We got the iPhone 6, the iPhone 6 Plus. And the fabled iWatch was finally unveiled. Apple Watch, Katie. Apple Apple Watch. Watch. Apple. You know, I created a text expander snippet that whenever I watch, whenever I type iWatch, it expands to Apple Watch. So I made. iWatch is iWatch is the new iTouch. I need a verbal snippet for that as well. Uh, And Apple Pay, going with Apple Watch. We also got Apple Pay. All right. Well, we're on a short timeline, so I don't want to talk about what they all do because. You're listening to this. Even if the show comes out, it's already been four days, so you've already heard all the news. Let's just talk about our thoughts. Um, starting, uh, let's spend a few minutes on the new phones. Uh, it, it, this is the year you buy an upgrade, right? This is my upgrade year. Every other year. I know you're spoiled, but uh, yeah. I only get one every other year. I was a little nervous about the size. I think the six point, I'm sorry, the 4.7 inch is going to be the one for me. There's just no way that I can consider the 5.5. It's just too big. Uh, for me, Ars Technica uh, and a couple of other people, I think, have have put out um, two scale models that you can print out so you can cut them out on cardboard or cut them out on paper and, and see actually what they look like and hold them in your hand and get some kind of idea of how that's going to work. Um, but the 4.7 white and 64 is really the only choice for me there. You already already decided. I, yeah, but I, you're struggling. I, I'm struggling. I, I did. I did the printout. And I, I kind of like the idea of a big one. I like the idea of better battery life and a better camera. It is quite big. I am uh, a little bit older. And when I, when I have things close to my face, it's actually, actually, I do need reading glasses. So maybe there's some advantage to that. So I, I printed out the Ars Technica thing. I uh, scotch taped a bunch of index cards to the back of it. So it matches the shape and the thickness of the iPhone. And I've been carrying around in my pocket today. I'm such a geek, Katie. And, uh, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it. I don't know yet. I'll, I'll decide pretty soon because I'll probably order one uh, when they go up for sale. Now, will uh, you pre-order or will you actually go to a store? I usually pre-order. I, I don't like to deal with the crowds and all that other junk. So assuming that they still do it the way they've done in the past, you can pre-order. And also the tip on this, although this is too late, the tip on this is use the, the Apple app, the, the, um, app store, the Apple Store app. It always works better. It doesn't get hung up. Every time I've ordered phones at the, you know, at the midnight hour in the past, the website's a mess. You know, the website is a mess, but for some reason that app store app just, just works. And I've ordered them that way many times and they show up on the designated day in the mail. I don't have to go to the Apple store. 
All right. So easy enough with the phone. Pretty impressive. I like the Touch ID. Of course, you've had that for a while. Uh, Apple Pay, which was built into the phone. I'm really excited about this. I don't know about you, but I've had my credit card compromised a number of times in the last four years or in the last two years, really, just, you know, skimmers at gas pumps and things like that. I like the idea of Apple Pay. I kind of hope that it's not an Apple lockdown standard and that other people can start using this. But uh, if it is truly as secure as Apple says it is, the idea of uh, the merchant getting a unique credit card number, and if that merchant is later compromised that they don't actually have my real credit card number that they can do something with, uh, the convenience factor, if it's NFC and it's not a proprietary technology, that it could be rolled out uh, a lot faster to a broad range of places. I'm, I'm excited about it. Yeah, it, I was thinking about it. I think it'd be really hard to come up with a system that's less secure than what we currently have. Probably not. I mean, every time I go to the restaurant and I hand the waitress my credit card, you know, I think about that. Well, but, but, um, but Apple Pay is probably not going to work for that, though, you know, unless there are these little handheld terminals for Apple Pay, which there could be in the future, you know, handheld NFC terminals. But for the restaurant type situation, you're probably still handing somebody a card and they're probably still taking it back somewhere. My point being that you couldn't make it much worse. So. Right. I'm curious to see what they do um, on the phone itself. Just the decision process for me. I, I I'm definitely interested if the size can work for me, I may try the big one. And then I got thinking about, you know, why am I like going crazy over this? It's a phone. I'll have it a year. You know, like I said, I pay for four phones in this house. So next year I suspect I'll be getting another one. So if it doesn't work out, then I'll get a smaller one next year, but I, I'm probably leaning towards the larger one at this point. Well, just, just out of curiosity more than anything else, to tell you the truth. Okay, uh, so we're, we're, we're eating into our 10 minutes here. Let's talk about the new product. Wasn't it exciting to see it on the screen one more thing? I, I understood why Apple retired that for a while, but I thought they brought it back with a very respectful way, and I was, I was glad to see it. Yeah, me too. I, I kind of thought when, when Steve Jobs died that, you know, they shouldn't do that anymore. That should be Steve's thing. But then... No, it's not really. It's Apple's thing. And and the way they did it, you could tell it was done with love. So that was cool. Uh, the watch itself, uh, you know, it, it um, it's an interesting bit of technology. I'm definitely going to get one. I can't, you know, there's no no avoiding it, you know, as my wife right, said. Right. But, the, um, but I like what they've done with the interface. I'm really curious to use it. I'm very curious about battery life. That seems to be kind of the thing that nobody really is talking about much. They say there's enough there to get you through the day. Well, what does that mean? I don't know. I mean, is this going to be a thing where we're going to have to... Yeah, I think it means you're charging it every night. Yeah. Well, does, is that enough? Is it is it going to be a thing where people are buying extra magnetic chargers and sprinkling them around so they can take their watch off to charge it in the middle of the day? I hope not. But, um, you know, there's still several months, so we'll see. I think the way they did it with multiple designs was really, you know, so much, so many of the things Apple does in hindsight are like, yeah, of course, that's how you would do it. And I thought that I felt that way with several things today. Number one was multiple designs and looks. You can't make just one watch. You know, like everybody's been talking a lot about lately about this Motorola 360. I think it's called the watch that's in the shape of a circle. But it comes with one band, and and I, I guess they're coming out with another band, but it's really one design. And um, Apple, by allowing you to have multiple designs, really allows it to become more ubiquitous, and people can find the one that works for them. You know, if you want the rose gold, that's great. If you want the stainless steel, they got that. They've got a million different bands to choose from. So it's not going to be such a 
a thing, you know, it's just a, just a good watch on your wrist. So I think that's smart. Another thing they did that I thought was pretty smart was the use of the dial and, you know, rethinking the interface. I, I was a little worried about these, these user interfaces on these small devices. I, and um, they're, they're trying to do something more than the standard, you know, let's just take a phone and shrink it. I had a couple of conflicting thoughts about the iWatch. Firstly, I'm very excited about it, and I will absolutely be getting one. I'm going to get a little bit smaller size in one of the metallic bands, although it looks like the bands are pretty interchangeable. So you may end up getting a couple and and swapping them out depending on when you want. Um, So I'm very excited about the watch. I'm definitely getting one. I was shocked and a little bit overwhelmed with just out of the gate for a Gen 1 product just how much it could do. I mean, it just kept going on and on and on. It can do this and it can do this and it can do this and it can do this. And that was a little surprising to me. Uh, From a design standpoint, and this may be more of a male-female perspective, a little different, I don't know. From a design standpoint, it's felt very much like a first-gen product. And I'm very excited to see where this product goes and what this product looks like um, you know, generations three, four, and five from now. I think it's going to look very different. I look at this iWatch now, and I, to me, it looks like an iPhone did when the original iPhone launched. And the original iPhone, when it launched, don't get me wrong, was a beautiful piece of engineering, and it was an absolute gorgeous phone, uh, unlike anything we had ever seen. So I don't mean that as a knock in any way against the iWatch, but it does look a little chunky. It does look a little bulky. Um, it's it's a fabulous piece of engineering, but I just I can't wait to see what they do with this. I am not sure that it is a product for the masses. And maybe that's okay at this point, because you remember the original iPod was not a product for the masses. It was really not until it got until its third generation when it became a product for the masses. But Nor I, was the original iPhone. I mean, it wasn't it, until the 3G that it really got legs. It it was. I think it was more a product for the masses, though. I think. I think with the iPhone, you knew that this was going to change the world. I don't know that people are convinced yet that they need or that they want these watches, particularly at three hundred and forty. You know, at fifty dollars, and that's just the the base model. But I, I can't wait to see what they do with it, and I think uh, it, it's going to have an interesting curve to it. I think it's going to be much more like the like the iPod curve, where it'll be a little slow to get started. I think right now it's just going to be the geeks. And I think everybody at Macworld, when we go to Macworld in January, will have one. But I'm not sure anybody else that I know will have one other than that. Yeah. Well, it's a lot of money. I'm very curious to see where they go. I I think, though, they did a good job. And I like that it's different than anything out there. And you can tell they spent a lot of time thinking about it. You know, in response to your your idea about, you know, this being not looking like a Gen 1 in terms of software. I think they've been working on this for a really long time. And I think that, that that kind of shows. It is kind of interesting, and we're almost out of time, but it's kind of interesting to me. It seems like the overall design of both the I, the Apple Watch and the, um, now you're getting to me, Katie, and, and the new phone, the iPhone 6, they're very reminiscent to me of the design of the original iPhone. And True. to be honest, I liked, that was my favorite designed iPhone, probably of any of them. I liked the little rounded it was very nice to hold. I know it was a little thicker and had that black piece of plastic and all that, but I thought the original iPhone design was really good. The 3G design I thought was not as good as the original design, although I understand it was like antenna issues and other things they had to deal with. All right, we are we are there. Okay, you get 10 last comments on this. Each one of us make one last parting comment, and um, let's move on with the show. 
I think it's going to be their biggest upgrade cycle ever for iPhones and the iPhone 6. I think the numbers that Apple releases are just going to explode. I hope that they've got enough in the supply chain because I think it's going to be an awesome upgrade event. This is what people have been waiting for. Yeah, I'm still I'm still torn over which phone to get. I'm leaning towards the big one and I'm going to enjoy watching what happens with the with the eye um, with the Apple watch as it you know progresses towards release too bad. They didn't make Christmas. That would have been good for them. All right. So uh, let's take a quick break from all of that and kind of cleanse our palate a little bit. And when we come back, we're going to talk about our much anticipated uh, education tech. A lot of, a lot of great suggestions from our listeners about that. Yeah, it was, they really kind of delivered for us. Yeah, but before we talk about that, I do want to take a quick break and uh, welcome a new sponsor to Mac Power users, um, and that is our friends over at Fracture. And uh, if you have photos that you want to show off or uh, artwork that you have created or anything else, you want us to take a serious look at Fracture because what Fracture will do is it prints your photos in vivid color directly on glass. And you get back from them this beautiful package with everything you need to get your photo or your digital artwork on your wall, on your desk, wherever you're going to put it, right in the box. And their prices are very reasonable. It starts at just $15 for a 5 by 5 print. David, you know, when I went to Alaska, I've got these beautiful pictures from an airboat ride and looking uh, at glaciers and all of these other things. And I, I didn't want I didn't really know how to treat them. I knew that I wanted something very special. And I went and I bought two of the largest square fractures that they have. I, I don't remember the sizing, but these are big. Two of them, you know, fill the wall in my office. And if I think about it, I'll put a link in the show notes to them. And they are just absolutely stunning. They're the first thing that people notice when they walk into my office. Uh, because they just, it's almost like looking through a window. Uh, sometimes you look at them and, and they're just bright and vivid and gripping. And the photos are great too, I must say. But um, it's something about this is, is unexpected and it really gives that extra special touch uh, to your photo or digital artwork. Uh, and every fracture is handmade and checked for quality. And they've got a really interesting production. I actually had an opportunity to go visit the fracture team and, and see how they do this and how they set it out. Uh, I got to tell you, it's mostly a Mac shop in there, which is, which is pretty cool. Uh, and how they actually print the fractures with all custom uh, machinery that they've got. It, it is just an amazing operation. Fractures uh, make great gifts. Um, and if you want to get one for Christmas or if you want to get some uh, for your friends and family for Christmas, which I highly recommend because that's something that I'm going to be doing, you want to go ahead and plan on ordering early now for holiday delivery because they told me that they ran their presses uh, 24-7 um, and, and were were just slammed last year with uh, holiday orders and they expect to do twice the orders this year because people are, are really catching on to how unique these and popular these, these fractures are because there's just nothing else out there like them. So I love mine, David. I know that you've got a couple of yours um, and we've got a special deal for you. So if you go to their website over at FractureMe.com and you use the promo code MAC15, that's um, all capital letters, all one word, M-A-C-1-5, you can save 15% on your order. Um, so go check them out. You can upload your photos directly, uh, see what they look like. They've got a variety of shapes and sizes, and you can customize them as much as you want. But go check them out at FractureMe.com. And thanks to Fracture for their support of Mac Power users. 
I got a, um, when I was in Alaska, I went dog sledding and I took this shot, like as I'm driving this dog sled and there's just these, I'm up on the glacier outside Juno and it's just a great shot. And I have it right next to my desk in my office and I look at it every day. I love it. Yeah. It's good stuff. I think I'm going to do my book covers there too. Mark Orman was talking about how he does his apps through fracture. I'm going to do a bunch of the covers for the books because when you do eBooks, you don't have a hard copy. You don't have something to put on the shelf. It'd be nice to hang something on the wall. Yeah. I was thinking about doing our podcast start too. And that little five by five, cause it's just oh, the right yeah. size. Yeah. Good idea. Kate. We should do that. All right. All right. Let's, let's get on with the show. So we've been talking, threatening for some time to do a show about education, work closing, you know, getting back to school. And we thought well, it's that time of year. And Katie has recently gone back to grad school and I've got my teenager who's starting college and we've all been thinking about this a lot lately. So here we are. Let's, let's talk about this stuff. So one of the first considerations that I had when I was getting ready to go back to school, because of course, my first consideration is what cool tech stuff can I go out and buy? Isn't that what everybody yeah. thinks? That's what I think. I have, come on, it's a perfect excuse. Um, so a, a couple of, of the probably the biggest picture item is, um, am I going to use an iPad in class? Because the first time I went through school, there was no iPad. Um, or am I going to use a laptop? And, you know, laptops were certainly very different the last time that I went through school. There were no Intel machines. They were big, clunky things. Um, you know, iPad or, or laptop. Yeah. So I ultimately decided to go with a laptop just because it gave me a little more functionality. But I certainly use my iPad quite a bit. And I'll tell you, the, the landscape has changed because when I went to school the first time, I think I was the only one who used a Mac in the room. And now when you when you look across the classroom and my typical class has about 45 to 50 people in it, easily I was I was trying to do some quick math, easily a third of those have Apple logos on them. So it's it's very cool to see how that has shifted. I would argue that that's a, a small sample because they're lawyers. Yeah, you know, and lawyers are the worst about using Macs. I think it was like any other subject, you probably would even have a higher percentage of Macs in there. Yeah. Um, so I'm currently using uh, a 13-inch MacBook Air. This is about a two-year-old MacBook Air. This was before they came out with the super-duper battery model MacBook Airs. Yeah. But it works well because I'm only going through part-time. So I, I tend to be gone for about mm, – my classes are about an hour and a half. So between setup and takedown, you know, less than an hour and 45 minutes total. So it's certainly enough to get me battery-wise through the day. Um, although if if I were there any longer, having one of the newer models would be nice. Uh, the 13 inches is nice. It's certainly a lot easier and a lot lighter than than lugging around um, the, the laptops that that I had of old. But I tell you, just I, I'm longing now, David, for that 11 inch MacBook Air or even that that fabled 12 inch MacBook Air. And a Retina screen would be really nice on this machine. I'm a little curious about the iPad and what it was. I mean, did you ever try to use the iPad for school? Well, keep in mind that my iPad, um, I only have one, is an iPad mini. And and so it's a little bit smaller. And I would definitely have to use it with an external keyboard because I am not that great of a typist on the iPad with an external keyboard. And so I use it for certain things, I but I don't use it uh, every day in class, although I certainly could as a backup. Um, the types of, of things that I do in class, though, primarily, I probably could use the iPad for because I'm almost exclusively in um, Omni Outliner taking notes for things. But it's nice to be able, we have to look up in, in my particular program, if you don't want to carry these big, long um, sections of the tax code, 
we have to look up um, so we have to have pre-downloaded sections of the tax code and pre-download cases that we know that we're going to be covering on that particular day. So I'm typically swapping back and forth, and it's nice to have my notes open and then side by side with them, the tax code or whatever we happen to be looking at. Yeah, that does give you some advantage, doesn't it? Right. Uh, you had put this thing in the in the notes about distractions with your Mac. With I thought it was kind of funny. Tell me about that. Well, that's one of the advantages of the iPad, right? Is it's it's easy. It, or, let me rephrase. It is more difficult to get distracted on the iPad because you can't run two apps side by side. You're you're either going to be taking notes or you're going to be looking at your PDFs or you're going to be in Evernote or you're going to be in whatever. But with the Mac, it's no problem. You can have multiple apps just just popped up all over your screen. And I I will admit, and maybe it has something to do with age. Uh, the first time that I went through school, I was prone to being distracted. And uh, Twitter was not around, though, the first time that I went to school. But I, like many people, were, were prone to, you know, surfing the web or checking the email or doing all those other stuff. Not so much while I was in class, but more so when I was supposed to be studying between class breaks. And I just don't have that kind of time anymore. I need to be devoted 100% to working on my school activities when I'm in school. And I'm glad I, I'm glad I didn't have the option to be distracted. Yeah, it's... <laughs> Yeah, it's I, not I went hard. To school. Yeah, I was in law school ninety through ninety three, and you know there wasn't like Wi Fi everywhere, it, it, so you didn't really have that that temptation. And frankly, I didn't have a computer. I I think I talked about this recently on our show, but I I had a little Tandy word processor, which was just a keyboard with an eight line LCD display, and there was no way to get distracted. It was just an outliner, and that was pretty good for me. But I don't know how I would have reacted with, you know, the, the ability to get on the Internet while you're sitting in class. It must just drive the, the professors crazy. Oh, I'm sure it does. But my solution to this has been to use Little Snitch. And we've talked about this on previous shows in the context of monitoring your it, – it's an app that allows you to monitor and to restrict your outgoing network traffic. And it's, it's – um, you can use it for a number of uses, but we've we've talked about it on previous shows. Uh, it has a number of profiles that you've set up. So we've talked about on previous shows how you can use it um, to limit bandwidth. So, for example, if you're on certain networks, especially, say, you're tethering, maybe you don't want Dropbox syncing, maybe you don't want Backblaze running, maybe you don't want all these other things that are network intensive. Um, so I've got a number of profiles set up within Little Snitch. I've got my home profile that will activate if I'm on my home Wi-Fi or, or my home Ethernet. And that basically, I don't want to say it leaves everything open, but but it basically is unrestricted access to whatever. And then I've got um, an LTE profile that it recognizes if it sees that it's connected via um, Wi-Fi or Bluetooth to my, if it's connected to my iPhone or my iPad. But then I also have um, what I call a campus profile. And so if I'm connected to the campus network, the network on campus is all named the same thing. It's a more limited set. It's it's fairly open, but it, I've, I've blocked access to um, certain apps, i.e. Twitter um, and, and certain other places that it that I have to specifically allow it to let me go there. And it just it's it's a little extra tweak that that keeps me honest. So but. Let's go to the day job. You have a, a job and you yes. you go in meetings and you have all kinds of stuff. You're responsible for a lot of things. Um, do you ever find yourself tempted to go on Twitter when you're doing that stuff? Uh, no, not See, usually. I, don't, I, I just don't at all. And so I would assume if you don't get tempted for that stuff, I don't know why you'd need all that extra steps in class, I guess. I don't know. Well, and I'll tell you that I haven't really needed it. 
I, I more set it up as a, as a, as a proactive matter, but I have just been so exhausted in class. It is all I can do to keep up. And it, you know, it's almost like running a marathon for uh, an hour and a half, sometimes trying to keep up with the professor and, and these other students. I don't have time to get distracted to be on Twitter yeah, or check so my email or any of that. Turn all that stuff off for a couple of weeks and see how you do. Yeah. I bet you don't need it. Well, but it's also something that I mentioned because maybe some of our listeners would find it valuable. Yeah, I get it. I get it. But I, I have faith in Katie Floyd. Um, uh, so the other option is the iPad, which is something that didn't exist when you and I were in school, but is, is very much exists now. And as you were saying, you know, with an iPad mini, it might be more difficult. I can tell you, I've been spending time with my daughter. Yes, she's starting her, her college experience and she is totally sold on her iPad mini. We got her an iPad mini for Christmas last year and it's Wi-Fi only. And, um, she, she is ridiculously fast at typing on it. Um, I showed her Omni Outliner and the, the, the apps I showed her on the iPad that are primary for her are really Omni Outliner, Notability and Evernote. She really took to Omni Outliner, especially, you know, using the Omni presence so you can sync it to the Mac. And she's not sure about Notability, which I think is actually a very good option. And Evernote, you know, we're working on getting her set up and how she can, you know, get her documents scanned in. And like, I was thinking Evernote would be really great if you're in school because like all the syllabuses and, or is it syllabi, man, I'm, I'm looking dumb right now. Uh, what is it, Katie? All the stuff they give you. Okay. So you get all this paperwork at the beginning of class. And sometimes you have professors that do handouts. Like I know that's a big thing now where they give you their, their presentation slides. And, oh yeah. I've, I've got a yeah. workflow for that too. I'll take you through. All right, we'll we'll talk about that in a bit. But either way, I, she seems to be uh, having very little difficulty working off the iPad and then using apps that sync nicely with a Mac. And interestingly, you know, we've got the family iMac, and we've and she has a laptop. And I've I've been talking about lately the family iMac is not keeping up with my podcasting and screencasting stuff. It's about three or four years old, and. And so I'm thinking, well, maybe I'll sell that. And she says, no, I really like that. So she's, she wants the big iMac on her desk and the iPad mini. And she thinks that's just, that's it, man. She's ready. So we're probably going to end up selling her laptop. Well, let me also tell you, if I, I, I intentionally set up my workflow so, so that everything that I'm using would would transition seamlessly to the iPad because it was important to me to have that belt and suspenders. Number one, I wasn't entirely sure whether I was going to end up ultimately using the Mac or whether I was ultimately going to end up using the the iPad. But I also want to have the ability. I mean, my if something happens and my MacBook Air goes down, I need to be able to pick up exactly where I left off. I don't have another portable Mac that I can quickly grab. And if, if something goes down, just grab it and go to school that day. We don't, we don't have a local Apple store. I mean, I guess best worst case scenario, I go to Best Buy and buy something, but that's just not an option. I need to, I need to be able to pick up and go. So I, I specifically designed my system so that everything I did synced, everything I did had companion apps on iOS and on the Mac platform, and that I could easily pick up one or the other and be good to go. Yeah, I did. Uh, so, so with Sam, uh, we, we got her, she's using her iPad mini. She likes it typing on it directly. Um, I've got, because of who I am, I've got a variety of these Bluetooth keyboards around the house and I, I can't stop buying them because I always want to see what's next. I have not tried an iPad mini keyboard cover yet because I know with my hands it would never work. 
but I did hook her up with like an Apple Bluetooth keyboard and with, you know, a couple of the other keyboards I have. And she says, you know, I'm just going to try and use the, the iPad mini. I'm not sure I need a keyboard. And I said, wow, that's, that's impressive. If you can do that, she's still going to need the keyboard once in a while. Like when she's sitting there writing essays or whatever, I assume, but I don't think she's going to even have a keyboard out in class all the time. So that, we'll see. that's just unfathomable to me. She, she is so fast with the um, touch keyboard. It, it's one of these things that is really eye opening for me. She can sit there and type on her phone while not looking at the screen. Does she, she can do look at me and I can dictate and she can type it. Oh my goodness. Horizontal or vertical on the iPad mini? Um, uh, hor- horizontal. Okay. I mean, the other thing that an external keyboard would give her would just give her more oh, I'm screen sorry, vertical. real estate. Ver- I got, I got vertical. vertical. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It would just yeah. give her more screen real estate. But do yeah. you do you have a keyboard for her to use or for her to yeah. take? Or just yeah, totally. The, yeah. She's she's taking one, but you know, it's not the. Um, I don't think she's going to use it a lot. But it's kind of an age thing too. I mean, she, you know, kids her age really are fast on those touch key on those on screen keyboards. I begged her to learn how to type and she, you know, I bought the software and I threatened and did everything a dad does to try and get their kids to learn how to type because I felt like it served me so well over the years. She's, it just doesn't take for her, but then she sits down and she just flies on the keyboard with a very bizarre typing style. Um, do you have a keyboard that, that you would recommend the, the one that I'm currently using with my iPad and I've switched back and forth a little bit though. Um, but the one that I like the most, I think is the K eight 11 keyboard for the iPad. Um, I, I know you had, and I had at one point the solar K seven sixty. Yeah. I still have it. Still love it. Um, the K eight 11 is the same keyboard. So it has the same feel as the K seven sixty, but it's smaller. It basically, um, takes that inch to inch and a half off the top of it because it's battery powered instead of solar powered. And it has a backlight. So depending on, you know, if, if the room is dark or something, um, and it will sync up with up to three devices and it's, it's a good, it's, it's a decent size smaller. So I've, I ultimately switched over to that, but either one of those are, are great keyboards. Yeah, I think if you're going to go get an iPad keyboard, there's a couple decisions you have to make. There, you know, there's different kinds. There's the kind that snaps on the front like a cover and has a keyboard embedded in it. And like the Logitech is very good for that. There's a couple of those. And then there's the kind that is a separate and distinct um, entity. And I have one of those. It's another Logitech. It's a Logitech tablet keyboard. Um, which I got off Amazon one day when it was on sale. And it is a kind of a full-size keyboard that has a case that it that it slides into so the keys don't get messed up when you throw it in your bag. And I use that one quite a bit. And I think that's probably the one I'm going to um, give to her or, or buy her a new one maybe. But it depends on how you want to use the keyboard. So, you know, th- there's different kinds for the iPad. Some people just really want a full-size keyboard and they don't care that it attaches as a cover. And some people want it all in in one thing. I will tell you one thing that I would encourage you to throw in um, is some type of cover or case for the keyboard. Because I've I've tried, and you'll probably be fine once or twice without it, but throwing those keyboards with those chiclet-style keys into a backpack with you know, 20 pound books, maybe not that heavy, but, you know, big books and pens and all of that other stuff is it's pretty easy for them to get damaged. And so you can, for some of the keyboards and and the two Logitech ones, especially I know, and especially the Apple keyboard, um, you can buy like a little neoprene case or some kind of sleeve for it to, to protect it. Of course, that adds a little extra bulk, but it keeps you from dinging up your keyboard. 
Well, that that's what I like about that Logitech full-size tablet keyboard, because the, the case, it comes with a case, plastic case that it slides into, but that also, that case also converts into an iPad stand. Yeah, that makes sense. Nice. So it's two in one. Yeah. So, uh, and then I guess the other hardware I would use if you're going to be an iPad warrior, I'm going to order another anchor. I really like that anchor battery I talked about in our travel show. And I'm just going to order another one and give it to her. So she's got extra juice on board. And also just, you know, she's my daughter and she's in college. I want her to always have the ability to recharge her phone. So that's good, too. Yeah, you just you do need to keep an eye out because make sure that if you're going to order a rechargeable battery that you specifically intend to use with your iPad, that it has enough capacity and it has decent yeah. charging speed. Because Two amps. Because most of these are designed for iPhones and just about any battery charger will work for an iPhone, but not necessarily for an iPad. So 2.1 amps, I believe, is the uh, is the magic number. Uh, so, you know, there's a couple pieces you need if you want to use an iPad. Then when you start thinking about it, hey, you're carrying a battery and a keyboard, and, I, and all of a sudden you're like, well, maybe that 13-inch MacBook Air is what I should be using anyway. <laughs> or the 11, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So can I tell you about the coolest new thing since I've been in school that I just think is the neatest thing ever, and everybody looks at me and they're like, you're so old. You don't know about those? Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at the outline right now. I'm actually a little jealous. Digital textbooks. Yeah. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, I cannot take advantage of them because my particular textbooks for my class are not available in digital format. But as you may remember from your law school days, and I'm sure other courses have this, um, the, you, you, sometimes your textbooks aren't clear enough, so you actually have to buy supplements to supplement your textbooks. So you read the supplements to understand what your textbooks are saying and kind of get an idea of the subject. And then you can read your textbooks or your casebooks and figure out what, yeah. what you're doing. Um, so unfortunately, digital textbooks have not been an option for me because they're not available. But I have found a number of, of decent supplements, and I'm studying tax law as part of my program. And that's something that if it's a couple of years out of date, it's probably not very good. Um, so I need things that are current, and I'm finding those digital supplements are great. And the other thing is it just saves your back. I, I, I need to take a picture and post it in the show notes of my, I, I'm taking two classes and thank goodness that they don't both meet on the same day. Cause if the two classes met on the same day, I don't know what I would do because the books will physically not fit in my backpack. And if they did, I think I would fall over backwards and just be like a, like a turtle, you know, just with my legs sticking up in the air, not yeah. being able to move Yeah, because it is absolutely ridiculous. I took my niece to school. Uh, she's, uh, I think she's in third or fourth grade. And I was looking at these kids I mean, the third and fourth graders carrying around now, now they have wheels on their backpacks. That's what I'd have to do. Because they make them carry so many books. These all these very little kids carrying around these wheeled backpacks just full of books. I'm like, boy, this iPad thing needs to take off because <laughs> this is ridiculous. Um, but boy, just think about going to college with just an iPad and you've got your textbook, you've got your papers on there. You, It's just, you know, it really is kind of that Star Trek moment. Right. To use a Katie Floyd term. Yeah. Um, what I also do quite frequently is is we tend to have um, a lot of handouts or a lot of cases that we have to download um, or, or things that we can go download and, and you get them in PDF format. And so I, I've kind of created not my own digital textbook, but my own digital library um, of, of PDFs for these particular classes. We have to go download cases. We have to go download revenue rulings and, and all of these other things, but it's certainly applicable to other fields. And those come down straight as PDFs 
Um, I save them into Evernote and I read almost all of those on the iPad. And I got, um, thanks to our, our friend TJ who said, Oh yeah, I have one of those. I'm not using, I'll send it to you. Uh, one of those Evernote jot styluses or styli, styli, yeah. styli. Um, and I got it to, I'm not real great with the handwriting recognition with it. Part of that may be just that I have atrocious handwriting, but for, um, highlighting, in a book and making or highlighting on PDFs on the iPad and making annotations, it's great. And it, it allows me to stay paperless, you know, ex- except for the actual textbooks themselves that I have to lug to class on a daily basis, keeping everything else in PDF format and Evernote and being able to pull them up in an app um, is, is just amazing. Well, Katie, I've been talking about that for years. That's what I do with PDF pen every day. Okay. How well, do you think I do all the stuff when I'm my lawyer stuff? Magic. Everything gets reduced to PDF. I've got a jot touch stylus and I'm off to the races. Have you been listening to me? I don't think I you've really been have not. To me for like I really years. have not. That's all right. I, you're probably not alone. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense, though. I, I want to talk about some other things you want to do with the gear in school, like protecting it and backing up and some other things that are important. Before we do that, however, I would like to take a minute to talk about another of our sponsors, and that is lynda.com. Uh, Linda helps you learn and keep up to date with your software. You can pick brand new skills or explore new hobbies with their easy-to-follow video tutorials. Whether you want to get tips on the latest online tools, learn how to use Photoshop, or improve your photography skills, lynda.com has thousands of video courses and a variety of topics. In fact, for someone like Katie Floyd going to school, I bet there's some topics in Lynda there that could help you. Uh, There's over 2,400 courses taught by industry experts with more added weekly. And, you know, these courses are really taught by the people who who really know the product. It's not someone who just read a book and did a video. It's somebody who uses it day in and day out. Lynda.com works directly with software companies to provide timely training and often same day new versions or releases to the market. So you're always up to speed. Uh, there's courses at all experience le- levels, whether you're a beginner or advanced. And I really like the way they do that because they break it up into small bite-sized pieces. Like if you want to take the course on, you know, how to get better at using the iPad in business that Chris Breen did, you don't have to uh, watch it from beginning to end. You can jump in the middle. If there's a chapter that covers something that's really important to you, you can watch that. And if there's something you didn't understand, you can go back and play it. Or if there's a bunch of it that you probably already know, but you want to jump in in the middle with something you don't know, you can do it that way too. I really like the ability to go in and just pick out little sections that I want to see and watch them. They do it really great. They produce the videos. They put the words right on the side of the screen if you want to read them. And they're just fantastic. Uh, uh, For any software you might rely upon, like Microsoft Office or Adobe Creative Cloud or Final Cut Pro or Logic Pro, lynda.com can help you stay current with the product updates and learn the ins and outs of your software. Um, there's some really great stuff they've got right now. The up and running with if this, then that is a great one. Me and Katie have talked about that a lot on the show. If you want some help, you could go into Linda and you could just watch their course on that and get really good at it. Um, they also have one on Google docs and sheets, which is kind of interesting as we start to use that with some of our production issues. I've been watching those videos. You can just learn, like, if you just don't even understand PayPal, you can watch a course on PayPal. Whatever it is you want to learn about, they've got it covered. And that's not just software. It's also business advice. And you get all of this for just $25 a month, unlimited access to the entire lynda.com library. Now, um, 
they've uh, talked to us. They know that our listeners are people who like to learn new things. So lynda.com has given us a special offer. You can get the entire library for free for seven days. Just visit lynda.com slash Mac power users. Once again, L Y N D a.com Mac slash Mac power users. Try it free for seven days and you can just consume as much as you want. They don't mind. I love Linda. I've been a subscriber for a long time. You know, it's funny, Katie. I think they may have at some point offered me a free uh, 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 membership when they started sponsoring the show. And if they did, I missed out on it. But I pay every month because I really do enjoy and use my Linda.com subscription. Uh, my wife and kids watch it with me as well because we are that kind of nerd family. So go check it out yourself. It's lynda.com slash Mac Power Users. And thanks, Linda, for all the support. All right. So what other cool stuff can we talk about? Well, I think it's important going to school that you figure out what you're going to do to protect your stuff. And, um, uh, you know, with, with my daughter, she's actually going with a pretty low technology profile. She's like going with this iPad. I know there's a lot of listeners out there doing it as well, but if you're bringing a Mac, it, it adds quite a bit. And, and, but I guess you're not that out of the ordinary anymore. Everybody's carrying a laptop around schools, aren't they? Well, and it's, it's a little bit scary to some degree. And, you know, the the typical college student is is pretty young and and dare I say can be somewhat irresponsible and they're all walking around with thousands of dollars worth of books and technology and gear in their backpack so it it is something that you've got to to think about um, when I was a, a college student the first time around I actually bought uh, a supplemental insurance policy or a writer to my renter's insurance that would cover that kind of stuff because it was very common on campus for, you know, backpacks to get swiped and laptops to be stolen and things. And at that point, I just, I didn't have the discretionary income. I couldn't self-insure that. And if I lost my laptop or somebody swiped it, it was a huge deal. Um, so that, that might be an option. You may want to check with somebody about what that is because um, Apple Care Plus is not currently available for, for Macs. It is for I, iOS devices. So if you know, damage them or something like that. That's potentially a problem, but uh, it, it is a little scary when you think about what you're walking around with on a college campus. I have this image of 18 year old Katie Floyd calling up her renter's insurance company to add a rider for her technology. Yeah. I think it was like $35 a year at that point. It was not bad. It's just precious. It's a <laughs> precious thought. Yep. Um, the, the other thing you can do is make sure you have some kind of backup system in place. And this is something that, you know, my daughter having a geek dad, I was very, you know, hung up on and, uh, we're setting up a back blaze account for her on her iMac and we're figuring out whatever she's doing on the iPad that there's the stuff is going to get backed up. Like if she's, it looks to me like she's going to be spending most of her time in Omni Outliner as well. Uh, and this wasn't planned, Katie. I tried to give her a lot of options, but that's the one she gravitated to. And I guess it's one that you seem to be using quite a bit, too. So maybe that says something. But, um, you know, that saves through omnipresence and omnipresence is on the Mac and that gets saved to backplay. So I, I just I really want everything she does to get backed up all the time because I do not want to hear get that call when she loses data. Well, I think um, this is another one where, where belt and suspenders is is a good approach. I mean. Anybody, college student or not, should be having a backup plan, period. 
But I think a, a, a typical college student is also going to be someone who who may be more on the go, may be more mobile, um, may not plug in as regularly to a backup drive, may not have a time machine dedicated hard drive or something like that. So I think offsite backup works particularly well for college students. They tend to have decent bandwidth, at least on campus, um, to be able to back up. So I think that's something that's very important. But a belt and suspenders approach is good here too. And I recommend... Just about everything. In fact, I can I can tell you for sure everything that I save that is education related is 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 not only backed up through my multiple backup services, but it is also synced to some kind of cloud service, whether it be Evernote, whether it be Omnipresence, whether it be my transporter or my Dropbox, uh, and sometimes multiple of those at the same time. And as we're recording this, iCloud is really just starting to become a thing. And it'll be curious to see how much of that we can offload to to Apple at some point. Um, one yeah. of my very go ahead. No, I keep going. It's fine. One of my very favorite emails I've ever received since all the time I've been doing this show. At some point, I think this was quite a while ago. We did a show on backup, and I talked about one of the kind of like last ditch things I do with family members who are too cheap to like too cheap or lazy to have like a really thorough backup system is one of the things I always tell them is I, I used to set up a free Dropbox account because two gigabyte Dropbox for most people is going to handle most of their like word processing documents and things that students have. And I would and, just tell oh, them quick tip, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you can double your Dropbox space with an EDU email address by yeah. linking that. So double check that for sure. Yeah, or transport or whatever. But if if you get a free one of these free online accounts, and I guess it would work for iCloud too. But back then, this was many years ago. I said just get the free Dropbox account, and then tell whoever you're helping set this up that the way the computer works, they have to save all their documents to Dropbox. Don't even explain that it's getting backed up. Just say this is where you have to save your documents. Because for a lot of people who don't really follow this stuff, if you tell them that, they'll just do it. And it, while Dropbox swears it's not a, a backup system, and it really isn't, it kind of is. Because, you know, if something went wrong, um, there would be a copy on Dropbox, and they do keep older versions. So, um, and I talked about how my niece called me in tears, and because I had done that, we were able to restore from Dropbox, and I was a hero. Then we got an email about two weeks later. I don't know if you remember this or not. It was one of our listeners who was doing his PhD project. And he said he had a complete computer meltdown about a week after, about two weeks after the show aired and about a week after he just copied everything to Dropbox just because I said to. And he said he literally would have shot himself if he had uh -huh. not dropped it. And I think he was exaggerating. But at the same time, it made me feel really good to know that somebody avoided a lot of pain and suffering because of a backup. But I think if you're if you're a student or you're sending a student away, get a good backup system in place. Yeah. And and you also want to physically try to protect your devices. And we talked about a little bit kind of in the context of insurance and Apple Care Plus for iOS devices potentially, or can you add a writer to your homeowners or policy and, and just using good habits and, and being careful. I can't tell you how many times in the library I see kids just walk away and leave their laptop sitting on a desk. And I think, hmm, that might be nice if I just walked over there and picked that up. But um but 
certainly um, to some degree, although the Macs don't have them as much anymore, you can you can buy locks or security devices for for your computer. Turning on back to my Mac, um, making sure that you have a screensaver that activates that locks your computer, making sure that you have uh, File Vault enabled so that if someone does get your computer, that those things um, are are locked down, um, and then just. Otherwise, you know, making sure that you've got a decent case for your computer because things, I mean, you're, you're going to be, you know, carrying these around from, you know, from your, from your car to on your back, up the stairs, down the hall to your class, on the floor, in and out. And, you know, these where, where just, else are you going to be carrying it? Because I'm not sure you cover them all. I didn't care. Oh, well, I don't know. Everywhere. You know, just <laughs> through the halls, knocking in the lockers. It happens. Is that it? Are you sure? I don't know. I got. I'll keep. I'll let you know as I think of more places. Um, yeah. So that all makes sense. Uh, you know, a cool thing students have now. My daughter was telling me about is this Amazon uh, six months of free Amazon Prime. Oh yeah, I signed up for that. Kind of feels like a um, a drug. Kind of you know, like you get the free sample. Yeah. Not only do you uh, stu- Amazon students, you get six months free of Amazon Prime, but fifty percent off thereafter. Think yeah. you do. I think I had to send them my student ID or something, but they verify that somehow. And don't forget about the Apple store for education. Yeah. So Also, though, I, I still think the refurb store is the best deal going. Probably. I mean, you look but, at the discounts for the education and you can probably do better with refurb. Um, okay. So from an Apple vantage point, you're looking at a laptop or an iPad or maybe a five and a half inch iPhone. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> but the uh, but, you know, there's some pretty simple choices. I think that the iPad is definitely an option. And for a lot of people in school, I I would encourage them if they've got an iPad to give it a, a swing and see if they can make it work. I just maybe I'm just too enamored with the idea of such a light device carrying around with your books and your notes on it. But. Boy, that seems like a nice idea. I'm kind of an iPad guy. I realize, you know, I, I, I use it for a lot. So there there were a couple of other things that I, I did hardware-wise. You want me to cover those before we get into apps? Yeah. Well, I, I will cover one app because it, it's not truly an academic app. But we talked about batteries, and the battery life on my 13-inch MacBook Air is decent, but it's not great. And I will tell you candidly that I have very bad battery habits. I always leave my computer plugged in and sitting at my desk and wherever it is, it's plugged in most of the time. And I was noticing that my battery life was starting to suffer. It would go for, you know, three hours and then die. And I'm thought, huh, yeah, I, th- I think even on this model, it's supposed to be a five or six hour battery life. So I started pretty religiously using fruit juice. And I think that we touched on it in the last show which is an app that goes in your menu bar and it tells you the first thing you do is you recondition your battery when you plug it in. And then it tells you um, based on your battery age, based on your usage habits, and it, it learns as you go that you, Hey, you really need to have your computer unplugged for this many hours a day. And it will give you little notifications and say, okay, you've been unplugged. Feel free to go ahead and plug back in and kind of let you know what you're doing and, and give you incentives. And I have found that since I have started using it, I've actually recovered quite a bit of my battery life just by exercising that battery. And so, so it will just say, Hey, Katie, you should unplug your, your, your Mac for an hour. And then it starts a little timer. And when it's done, it says, okay, you've been off the leash enough today. You can plug it in now. 
It's a good idea. Right. And it does some additional things like giving you notifications about the status of your battery and how is your battery health and how much charge do you have left and how much time do you have left. A lot of that stuff you can get from iStat menus or even from just holding down the option key and, and clicking on your battery icon in your in your dock. But but what this really gives you is the recommendations for for exercising your battery, which has been which has been nice and it's made a sense, a good good difference. And most schools these days, I believe, have power there for you. Or at least a lot of them do. A lot of them do. Um, I'm very fortunate that my school has dedicated, um, they, they have power in every classroom for every student at every seat. Uh, I don't have to use it because I've I've trained my battery well enough that it is. But, you know, places like the library or uh, other public areas, you're, you're going to have more problems getting getting power. So it's it's good to make sure that your, your battery life is decent. I would be tempted if I was in school to have an extra adapter and just keep one in my dorm or my apartment or whatever, and then have like one I can keep in my bag at all times. And that saves you the trouble of having to unplug and pack every time you leave and increases the likelihood that you'll have power when you need it. Yeah, I'm kind of fortunate. I've only got the one power adapter, but I've also got this Apple display that has the built-in adapter. So my power adapter now stays in my bag because I've always got this adapter in my display. Gotcha. Nice. Um, the other thing that I that I have changed is I've changed keyboards, and I I now I now remember what this feels like. But I've got a, a pretty long history of repetitive stress injuries, and I remember now that it was particularly bad when I was in college and when I was in law school. Um, you know, despite all the typing that I do with my day job and my night job and all of that other stuff. I, I still think from a pure, just hours straight typing standpoint, it, it didn't compare to the daily typing that I was doing when I was a student. And I started to notice after the first couple of weeks um, of, of taking notes and, and being in school and, and particularly using the keyboard at my home, um, I started to just feel not necessarily pain yet, but but certainly fatigue in my hand, which is kind of the, the first sign of, of when I start to get into trouble. And I, I noticed that surprisingly, this was happening more at home than it was happening in class. And you would think that it would be the exact opposite. And although I've got nothing against this keyboard, um, you know, I had one of those clackety clack keyboards um, and one of those different, you know, one of those keyboards that require, although I love the, the, the feel of the keyboard, it definitely required um, a stronger touch. And I was, I was, you know, when I was taking notes, it was almost like I was attacking the keyboard at home. A stronger yet- touch and more travel. Right. And more travel. But yet when I was using the keyboard um, on my Mac in class, I was definitely using a much lighter touch. Um, So I've switched my keyboards now. I'm now using the I personally like a keyboard with at home with a with a built in numpad. And so right now I've switched um, to the Logitech K750, which which has a touch and feel and a layout that is very, very similar to the Apple Apple keyboard in that's built into your, your notebooks. And I'm just finding that even the transition of just going from that keyboard to my notebook keyboard is is almost effortless and, and I'm 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 having a lot less fit, fatigue in my hand. Did you see uh, speaking of keyboards, did you see our listener? I'm looking for the name. Uh Whose name I will we'll just put the, we'll post that one of our listeners took an Apple keyboard and hung it on the wall with LED lights behind it and made it a wall light. I did see that. Yes, I thought that was pretty clever. <laughs> so there's one more Apple mod. Yeah, you know it's funny, Katie. I had the same thing with uh, I was having some issue using the big clicky keyboard, and I switched over to the 
to the to a tree, keyboard less travel, both the Logitech and even just the Apple Bluetooth. And I found that that kind of solved the problem for me. And I, I think that's unusual. I, I think I think one of the points of those clicky keyboards, I thought, was to kind of help you, you know, uh, to help your fingers. But apparently for both of us, it didn't work that way. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it was, but I, I definitely noticed. And then a, a couple of just random things that I've that I've picked up along the way. Uh, I, I've noticed that the David, the text in these these textbooks nowadays they're getting cheap because the text is getting smaller. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> but but what they're definitely doing is I've, the the pages are glossier because they tend to be printing on a at least the books that I'm using on a thinner page and as such it's got some gloss on it because they're trying to get some heft to it and um so I was kind of struggling with that. So I've I've changed a number of the light bulbs in my house. Um to buy some some decent light bulbs. And that's been a great investment. I just had the standard, you know, builder grade, whatever came, you know, 63 cent light bulbs that came with the house. And I switched over to um, anything that'll work for you will work. But just getting brighter light and getting light in my reading lamps, I found helped. And, and I, they're kind of these funky looking Philips LED flat lights. They're pretty inexpensive. They're only like eight or nine bucks a pop. You can buy them locally, but they seem to be the best blend for me uh, in terms of cost, but also putting out decent light. Uh, and, and I must say that I, I, I do have an appointment to get some new glasses. Just wait till you're 40, Katie. Just wait yeah. till you're 40. Uh, I am. Um, you know, as we're recording this on September nine, so the the Gold Master is out for iOS, and I I download I was going to download it, and I you need to put in the exact model iPhone. You know, in the developer portal, they have they actually have different model iPhones. Like the iPhone five S, there's like three or four different models depending on which carrier with and which radios they use. And there's a little the model numbers on the back of your phone. If you look at it very carefully, if you're twenty and you look at it, you can see it obviously. If you're my age, you have to get the magnifying glass out. And I've always been able to use my magnifying glass and see it just fine. And tonight I couldn't read it before we started the show. Oh, oh, oh. I got it. A1429. Yeah. And then I, so then I just held it away. I, I pushed it back about another three or four inches away from my face. And then I could read it fine using the magnifying glass. And I, you know, I thought, you know, this just sucks. You know, Sorry. it's it just gets worse and worse. And then I got thinking, you know, maybe a five and a half inch iPhone isn't such a bad idea after all. We'll see. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's talk about apps. I mean, we got the hardware set up, but, you know, there, we got a lot of great feedback from from listeners about this. But, you know, we've got some good apps here. So so what about the first thing you do when you're a student is you take notes? Yeah, Um I have I have used uh, and I know your daughter has used it as well. Um, my app of choice has been Omni Outliner, and part of that is I just knew kind of going in that Omni Outliner is what I was going to use for outlining because in law school that's always what I did is I always outlined um, and I I've always taken notes by outline and it just was an option. And Omni Outliner is the tool that I use for outlining. Full disclosure, they're a sponsor, but they don't sponsor this episode. Uh, and I've really liked that because it, it met my requirements. Number one, it was a device. It was an app that was both on on, on iOS and on the Mac. So it kind of met my um, my test for being able to, to go back and forth between the two. Um, it has the sync with the omnipresence service or um, omnipresence service. So my my data is, is backed up to both the Omni cloud as, as well as my various backup methods, which is 
which is nice. Um, and it's just a great, I, I can't think of a, a better app for the type of note taking that I use. Um, because again, all of my notes are taken in very rigorous outline format. And so I pick a template that works or one that I like. I actually do use the class note template in Omni Outliner, although I do modify it somewhat. And that way I can really focus on um, typically every chapter that we cover in a book becomes a, a new um, Roman numeral or big topic in, in my outline. And it has the ability that they can expand and collapse so that you don't have to see, you know, you can look at everything in the outline or you can just focus in on, on the particular topic that we're dealing with this class or, or this week. Um, and then they have even kind of a, I, I call them a notes section so that for, for each topic you can, you can drop down and, um, you can write not outline formats, but just free form, freeform notes for something. So, you know, maybe in one of my outlines, I've, I've created a rule or I've, I've got a couple of lines of, of text, you know, citing a big premise, but I've dropped down under it and then I can cite an example and then I can close that example back up. So I, yeah. why do, you've, you've got the ability to record the lecture as well with Omni Outliner. It's got a record button there. Right, you can, and and you can also drop in photos and images, which I've done from time to time. Occasionally, when there have been things that I've needed to diagram, or I've actually just taken a picture of the board, um, if there was a particularly complex problem that we worked on in class, and I just decided to take a picture of the board after class, or I, I diagrammed it. I do have a piece of a pad of paper in my notes. You know, if I diagrammed it on that pad of paper, I would either take a picture of that pad of paper, um, and and ultimately just drop it into Omni Outliner. The, um, the other option I would consider for this task would be Notability. And it's another one of those apps that it's everywhere. It's on the Mac. It's very recently on the Mac, but they did a good job. And it's also on the iPad and iPhone. And Notability is not as good of an outliner as on the outliners, frankly. But it does have the ability to record and index the recording to the notes. So if it's a class where the teacher talks really fast and you want to be able to go back and selectively hear the notes, I think it would be good, good for that. Because like when you write the note, um, you know, let's say, you know, revolutionary war, and if it's recording and later you go back and touch the word revolutionary war, it'll start the recording from what the professor was saying at the time that you wrote that note, which can be nice. Um, I don't, I, I think it really just depends on what kind of class you're in and what's going on. But both of those are solutions that, that are on multiple platforms that, that have their own kind of syncing engine built in and would be a great way to do it. Uh, I, I'm with you. I, I think if I had to pick one, it would probably be on the outliner because I, I'm not sure how often I would want to go back to listen to the notes and I can record with Omni outliner if I really need to. And I just really like that power of the Omni outliner program. Maybe another option would be something like a mind mapper. And we've talked about iThoughts and MindNote on our show. And I know those are two big ones. MindMeister is another one if you want to do a web-based. Um, and I guess it just depends how you're wired. But my recommendation would be come up with a good solution that really works for you and try and stick with that for most of your stuff. I don't think it makes a lot of sense to have a different app for every class if you can figure out a way to do it. Um, you know, I also heard from a lot of listeners and prepping for the show that say they just do it in Evernote and they're perfectly happy to take the notes in Evernote and then it keeps everything in one place. Tell me a little bit about, cause I know you just had a blog post at Max Sparky about this. I've, I've been very familiar for a while with notability on the iPad and I understand they just came out with a Mac app as well, but I haven't had a chance to check it out. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just like the Mac app. I mean, it's, 
I haven't taken notes on it so much as the Mac app. I've been, I use notability often when I do interviews with people and I obviously tell them I'm recording, but I want to be able to go back and, and selectively cut down little pieces. Now, sometimes when I interview someone, it's not something where I should be sitting there typing a lot. Like when you're in class, you're not interacting with your professor. So it's a lot easier to make a nice detailed outline. But when you're sitting talking with someone, it's much better that you have that eye contact and, and that you have that connection to kind of get the information better. And in that case, I don't want to be writing a lot. So notability really serves that purpose. So I'll have just big, broad topic headings. I type in quickly on my iPad while the recorder is running and we're talking. And then that stuff just comes right over to the Mac and I can go back and access it when I'm, you know, researching or making OmniFocus tasks or doing whatever I'm doing with that information. Yeah. Um, and, and don't worry, we've got a lot more apps that we want to talk about. Um, and in fact, I don't know if you want to do that now or do that later, but we've got a whole slew of app recommendations for, um, you know, from our listeners. I think just in this initial part, we're, we're kind of going over the apps that we have personal experience with that I use, that David uses, that his daughter uses and, and things like that. Um, yeah, there's more coming. <laughs> yeah. So don't, don't worry. Don't think, oh my gosh, well, you missed XYZ app. Yeah, I know we missed a ton of apps, but, but we'll come back and circle around to some of them later. Um, one of the things that you alluded to a little bit uh, earlier that is, is, is popular now is um, professors, you know, have these slides for class or they create slides. And um, what I've noticed now is there are all of these online um, class distribution and class participation portals. And so what one of my professors from my class does um, is she just throws her PowerPoint slides up on the class portal and makes them available for the students. And although you're certainly welcome to take notes and, and you can take your own notes, what what she encourages you to do is she encourages to use her notes and her outline because ultimately that's what she's going to test from. And I always take my own anyway because that's how I learn better is by taking them myself rather than just reading hers. But certainly if she's told me that the notes that she provides is what the test is going to be based off of, I, I need to pay attention to those too. Um, so what I do in, in her particular case, what she does is she just throws the PowerPoint up there on the slide, but I, I am probably or on the, the, the portal for download. I am probably never, ever going to watch a PowerPoint presentation. So what I do is I download them and I do open them in PowerPoint cause it, I do have it on my Mac, um, briefly and from PowerPoint, you can um, print within the print menu, um, you can print a handout. And what that will do is it will format it so it puts three slides on a page. Um, and, and then those go along the left side of the page. And then along the right side of the page, next to every slide, it's got lines for, for students to take their own notes. And I know many professors just print out and share the handouts with their students. But either way, at the end of this process, what I have is I have a PDF of, of those handouts. Um, and then so I save those into Evernote and then ultimately I pull them into PDF pen. I OCR them so that I can convert all of that text um, into actual text and it can, it can be read and searched and all of that stuff. And then I convert um, the form fields using PDF pen pro. So now where all of those lines are for, for where people are normally supposed to handwrite their notes in how barbaric um, I can actually type my notes in, whether it be right on the iPad or, or whether it be on, on my Mac. So that's, that's worked well for me. Yeah. I think that dealing, going to school, you need to learn to deal with PDFs one way or another. I also think a lot of professors should read my presentations book from what I've seen so far. 
but that's another story. Um, so Katie, let's, let's start going through all these great apps that our listeners have recommended. Yeah. Uh, in relation to some of these specific topics. Uh, but before we do that, why don't we talk about someone that is, uh, making something special. Well, we are very fortunate in this episode of Mac Power Users to have not one, but two new sponsors to welcome to the show. And so we would like to welcome Citrix at sharefile.com to the Mac Power Users family. And you can enhance your workflow and send files of almost any size easily and securely with Citrix Sharefile. So you can try sharefile.com today for 30 days free by going to sharefile.com clicking on the microphone and entering code MPU. That's all one word, all in caps. Now, I have preached at our office that email is not the best way to send files, especially secure attachments, but yet people do it anyway. You know, most business emails include some sort of attachment, a document, a spreadsheet, a PowerPoint, contracts, photos, whatever. And we need to know that the information that is being sent um, is received uh, that it gets into the right hands and that it remains confidential. But file size restrictions, um, bounce backs, if you've got an oversized file, maybe you're clogging somebody's email box, maybe they're not allowed to receive it. Uh, and how do you know that the person on the other end is actually the person who is receiving that file? Uh, it, it's just all kinds of potential things that can go wrong when you send attachments via email. It makes it such a problem, and that's why Citrix ShareFile is important to every business. Citrix ShareFile sends your attachments as secure links so you can send files of almost any size with the highest degree of security. You can receive notifications so you know who is downloading your files. Plus, with Citrix ShareFile, you can access files from anywhere. From a laptop, tablet, smartphone, I bet even those new iPhone 6 and iPhone 6 Pluses, Citrix ShareFile is easy to use and will integrate into any business. So if you're not using ShareFile yet, you need to sign up for a free trial now, no credit card required with nothing to lose, and you'll see why millions of professionals rely on it every day. So to get started today, use my special free 30-day trial, go to ShareFile.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and enter MPU. That's ShareFile.com, and type in MPU. And thanks to ShareFile for their support of 5x5 and Mac Power users. So we, we reached out in, in our various channels and asked our, the students listening to our show, what are the apps that you use? And we got a lot of response. So uh, I thought what we'd do is just take these by category and talk about a few of the apps that maybe we haven't covered already. So uh, to kind of round out the note-taking topic, which is one of the most popular for students. Uh, we did hear from a lot of people that use Omni Outliner. Uh, we also heard from some people like Matt that use OneNote. And I just talked about this on a recent show, so I don't want to like dwell on it. But I think OneNote is a really great option and perhaps one of Microsoft's you know best products. So, And it's free right now. So just go download it to your iPad and your Mac and, and give it a shot. You don't need to be a, a 365 subscriber to use OneNote. Am I correct? No, I think that's correct. You don't have to be. Yeah. So that may be something worthwhile. You know, it's a competitor to Evernote. But, you know, for a student, I could see how OneNote would work. Um, uh, we also heard from a lot of our text mavens. You know, we we both like text a lot. So a lot of people talked about using things like NVAlt or, or their favorite iOS text editor. And they said, you know, I don't need any outline or anything. Just give me something that syncs through Dropbox and I can write text in it and I can take notes just fine. And I, I got to respect that on a certain level. 
We yeah. also heard. Go ahead. Oh, and then we've already talked about um, Notability, which is a great app that I know a lot of people already use on iOS. Um, and we got a great blog post um, from a actually um, she went out and, and wrote an entire blog post um, for us about her top 10 uh, choices. And in fact, I, I've got her her information right here. Um, Bonnie went out and, and on her teachinginhighered.com blog, sent us an entire blog post of her top 10 picks. Uh, n- most of these are, are not related to text, but she uses drafts all of the time um, for taking quick notes and, and putting them in her system. And I'll link a note to her to her post. But she uses a LifeScribe 3 smart pen as well for t- note taking. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the you know, the pen equivalent of the way I use notability. It records in reference to you taking the notes. Uh, Bonnie had some really great ideas. She uses tapes, which is one of our older sponsors to answer student questions. She's kind of coming at it from the teacher angle. Right. It's a great angle. And, um, uh, poll everywhere. So she can bring quizzes and interactions to the classroom via text messaging for smartphones. I wish I had Bonnie as my teacher. I know. Seriously. And drafts, I mean, I just, drafts is such a useful application. Why wouldn't you go ahead and take notes with it very quickly and be able to do things with them from your iOS device? Right. Anyway, we'll put, we'll go ahead and put this in the um, show notes and you can look through Bonnie's list, especially if you're a teacher, I bet you'll get some good ideas from this. Right. Um, the other thing is, you know, we talked a little bit about the live scribe, which will allow you to take notes um, handwritten and, and we'll digitize those. Well, the LifeScribe, LifeScribe will actually digitize them to text in, in their latest version, I believe. But yeah. um, you can also digitize scan notes, you know, using, um, depending on what you've got. If you've got PDF Pen Scan Plus and you're scanning in text, um, if you've got Scanner Pro or uh, another type of app, uh, you can just take a, a picture of the image. Um, and Evernote does a pretty good job with their camera app of taking a picture of text. And, you know, they've got those Evernote Moleskin notebooks now that particularly if you write into those, um, Evernote likes those. Although, candidly, I found that it works pretty decently as well just by taking pictures of pieces of paper um, with the Evernote camera. And if your handwriting isn't horrible, it does a pretty good job of being able to search it. Yeah. And you could also just have a scan, you know, scan snap in your office or your home or your dorm and just capture that stuff in the evening as well. Yeah. There's just a lot of ways to do that. But yeah, I guess the point there is taking handwritten notes still makes a lot of sense in some contexts. Well, and there's certainly some things that you're not going to be able to capture in, in typed notes, which is why I still have a, a pad of paper in my backpack, because sometimes you need to diagram things and you'll spend too much time on the computer trying to figure out how to create that diagram when you could have just sketched it down and been done with it and popped a picture of it and boom. 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 There you go, Kitty Floyd. Uh, Writing. So in addition to taking notes in school, you're going to be writing papers. And this is something that I think my advice really wouldn't change from being a student to anybody that needs to do, you know, serious writing. There's, I guess there's, there's two big places to do your writing. You can be one of these people that's doing most of the stuff in text, or you can be someone that's looking for like a traditional word processor. I think as a student, probably uh, the Microsoft office suite is probably not that interesting or entertaining because 
they've got to pay for it. Um, I don't know what they're they probably have a pretty good student deal now that I think about it. But well, let me let me raise that as a as an interesting point. And certainly not all colleges will have this deal, but mine's a pretty big university, and they've actually got a deal with Microsoft where students can download um, Office three sixty five, and it's a five year license to use it. That makes a lot of sense. Right. I mean, because if they don't if they don't get the students using it, they're not going to have any customers in a few years. Yeah. In fact, I and I, I think it's a five year license because I think the average, you know, although college is typically four years, some people take an extra year or whatever. But I um, I Yeah, I walked in the bookstore and I was waiting on somebody to to get my books because I had pre-ordered them. And there was this poster sitting on the on the counter. and I took a picture of it. To, I, I haven't done it yet. I haven't looked at it to follow up on yet. But it's like, yeah, want your free copy of, of Microsoft Office. Here's how. Yeah, my daughter is a big fan of Pages, and um, she's been using it since she was very little, and that's just the application she writes in. And with iCloud Sync, it works just fine between her iPad and her Mac, and she's very happy with that. I've been trying to get her over to Scrivener <laughs> because I'm Aww. Mac Sparky, you know, because it's just so much better in terms of writing and thinking and outlining and making it a better project. Um, but Scrivener doesn't have their iPad out, out yet. I know they're working on it, so one of these days it'll be here and it'll be great. But for now, uh, her working in pages is just fine. Some other apps I'd, I'd recommend looking at if you want to just do just plain text, something like Byword or something else that can have a very simple synchronized between a Mac and an iOS device is probably a good idea. Uh, Nicest Writer Pro, which is something we talked about when we did our word processing show that I was enamored with. If you're a student and you don't have to collaborate with others, why not use just one of the best tools out there? And an up-and-comer, well, I guess this isn't really, they're not really an up-and-comer. They've been around a while, but something that just keeps getting better is Ulysses. Um, Ulysses now has got its own file format that they've been building with Brett Terpstra that allows, you to, have plain te- yeah, allows you to have plain text, but it also allows you to embed metadata. I mean they've got some really interesting things going on and they have data lists uh, on the iOS devices that synchronize with it. Although it doesn't synchronize the way I'd ideally like it to, it does synchronize. So, uh, boy, you just got a lot of options if you want to do some writing. Yeah. Um, And then PDF is another area where we've got some great apps of choice. You know, I know you and I have always been big fans of, of PDF pen, um, but Riedel has got a great app too. PDF Expert is another one to take a look at. I know Federico um, talks about that one quite a bit. And iAnnotate is another one to look at in terms of marking up PDFs. But, you know, PDFs are everywhere in the education world, whether it's handouts, whether you're downloading supplements, whether it's um, something that you've scanned in. And I think having a, a good PDF solution um, and, and maybe even one of those, those styluses. And I'm, I'm really liking of all the styluses I've tried, the, the Evernote jot touches, probably the one that stuck with me the most. And I, I know, I know, apparently you've said something about this before. I wasn't paying attention. Well, well, one question I have, I don't know, is the Evernote jot touch any different than the standard jot touch? Um, it has some, to answer your question, on a regular basis, I don't know, but it has some specific software built in that if your app supports it, um, will give you some additional hand protection and um, that's that's designed to enhance the writing experience. So I think when it is coupled with an app that is optimized for it, you get some extra juju. Yeah. Well, it's like PDF, PDF pen 
does support my jot touch and like the buttons on it it supports it it has an access in there where you can set this is the stylus i'm using and it supports it but i just don't know it did they put an evernote logo on the jot touch and call it the evernote jot or is it like something that has extra uh, support because i i would not use it in evernote i would be using it in PDF pen, frankly, but well, you know, uh, I've this the pen's in my bag, and I can't go grabbing for it right now. But it's the Evernote Jot Touch script. It's a little different version of the pen. Okay. And this is a this is an eighty dollars stylus where I think the Jot Touch is about not quite that much. I, I bought mine years ago, and I don't. I've kind of lost track of how much I paid for it. Yeah, it's a it's a very very fine tip, and it doesn't have that little plastic disc on the bot end of it. Does yours okay. have that disc? Yeah, it does. It yeah, does. no, there. It's a very different stylus. It's um, it's, it's a very small precision point. It doesn't have the plastic disc and it's got some, it's got Bluetooth built into it. Does yours have Bluetooth? Yes, it does. Okay. Hey, right. um, let's talk about researching. Cause this is something that's very particular to students and academics in general. And we've talked about some of these apps on some of our shows with listener workflows, but I thought this would be a good place to kind of cover them. And boy, uh, we did get a lot of feedback on this as well. So in addition to writing papers, you need to also do your research and keep track of your research. And there's some really great apps for that as well. Uh, papers is, we heard from a lot of people talking about papers. Um, uh, another one is EndNotes, which I believe is Mac only. Yeah, that sounds right. I, I will say that um, there were some people who were complaining about the new version of Papers. I guess version 3 is relatively new and has a few kinks that need to be worked out of it. Um, but I know I remember back on show 100, we had someone come on and talk about Papers. Yeah, EndNote, there is an, a copy of EndNote for the iPad, so I'm already proving myself wrong. Okay. Um, uh, Brian wrote in about an app called Senate, and I just frankly didn't have time to look into that app. Have you checked that out at all? Um, I've looked at it on the website. I've, I've never used it, but I, I have heard about it used before. And it does seem pretty popular for, for researching and organizing and annotate, uh, organizing data. You know, there's just so many ways to skin this cat. Um, uh, you know, Evernote, I think, is a good solution. DevonThink, which we've been threatening to do a show on for a year now. <laughs> I'm, I promise we're going to get there. There's just a lot to talk about, Kitty Floyd. Yeah, I put an interesting article um, in the show notes. Alex wrote an entire post um, about how he uses uh, Devon Think to create a personal knowledge base. Um, and I just thought that was a very interesting concept of kind of using Devon Think to, you know, because it's, it's got the smarts in it. I mean, I, I use Evernote to kind of create this personal knowledge base, but it doesn't have the AI in it that Devon Think does. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll put a link to Alex's blog post in the in the show notes. And uh, some some other apps we heard, and I just feel like everybody's going to be unhappy with us for not are, covering these in greater detail. But fe feedback at macpowerusers dot com. Send send us an audio comment about how you use these apps. That would be great, and we'll we'll likely play it on the next feedback show. Yeah, uh, Mendeley is another one we heard about that's useful for research. M e n d e l a y. Yep, Carlos sent that one in. Yeah, and bookends for footnote work. Um, and then in terms of, um, I, I want to talk a little bit about time management, studying, um, you know, kind of all of those miscellaneous stuff that isn't maybe day to day student life. Yeah. Um, do you want to take our, our last break before we do that? 
Yeah, I do. And this is one I'm actually quite excited to talk about. I just got the green light that I can share this with our listeners because the show's going to go live slightly before iOS 8 ships. But I have been using Katie Floyd on my iOS 8 so devices. So jealous. I hate you. I've been using the Text Expander Touch keyboard, and it is amazing. So it, we've talked about Text Expander for several years now on the show. Text Expander is the fantastic app that allows you to create small snippets of text that expand into great big large ones. And our friends at Smile uh, ported this over to iOS years ago and it's been just like a gem on iOS because with that little keyboard I'm not like my daughter I can't type crazy fast. So this gives me the ability to do that. It allows me to type in just a few words and have it expand to great big long words. Um, so, but the problem was always that, you know, Apple is very strict about what can happen on iOS and they don't want apps spilling into other apps and causing trouble and stealing people's information and whatnot. And, but we finally have this ability to run third-party keyboards. They have the security elements in place and smile immediately jumped into it and created their own custom text expander keyboard. And it works great. I've been using it now for oh about a couple of weeks. And the first time I went into Apple's native mail client, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm in Apple's app itself. You know, you think Apple's ever going to enable Text Expander Touch? Of course not. That's not how they roll. But it doesn't matter now because it's right in the keyboard. So I enable the Text Expander Touch keyboard just by touching a button in the keyboard. And once you get this, you're going to love it. In fact, if you're already a Text Expander Touch user, you're going to get this for free as soon as they you know come out with the iOS 8 version. It just shows up in your keyboard menu. So you go there um, in your your mail application, and then you can start going crazy with all those snippets you have, and they just fill right in. It's awesome. If you want to go back to the standard keyboard, you press one button, and you can flip back to it. So it's not something that you're going to be stuck with all the time. It's there when you need it, and it's not there when you don't need it. And the gang at Smile has been working really hard on making this really the premier alternative keyboard. And boy, I'm going to be using the heck out of this thing. So you need to go in and get Text Expander Touch for your iOS device right now if you haven't already. Now, if you're a Text Expander user on the Mac, it's going to synchronize via Dropbox uh, and pull your snippets right into the application. And then you're going to be set to go. Uh, Text Expander Touch is $4.99. It's not that expensive. Go get it. It works on both the iPhone and the iPad. And man, it's just going to be so fun for you to load up that keyboard and do it for the first time on your iOS device. Uh, I just a, I just the mail application for me is the big one because I use the native mail application and not having those snippets was driving me crazy. And I know that Apple has kind of their own version of keyboard expansion stuff, but it's not nearly as powerful. It doesn't sync as easily. And I've got all these great snippets in text expander. It's so nice having it right there. So go check it out. And thanks, Smile, for embracing iOS 8 the way they have and bringing us this fantastic keyboard. Um, you can find more out at smilesoftware.com slash expander. And uh, I'm sure there'll be some stuff going up. I'm probably going to even do a video on it myself as soon as uh, iOS 8 ships. So exciting. That is my favorite thing about iOS 8 is the, is the text expander keyboard. I'm I'm more excited about that than I'm about anything else. I was with a, a geek friend who will remain unnamed at lunch um, recently, and I I was using my phone and 
I showed him the text expander touch keyboard and he was more excited about that than anything else in iOS eight. And I get that because it solves so many problems for us. This person is a writer, so he can't wait to use it. Anyway. All right. A couple of other things that I want to, I want to hit. Um, we got an email from Brian who is uh, a teacher and he said one of the things that he uses, in fact, I'm going to link his blog. It's at learningobjective.net. And he talks about some of the tools that he used. Um, but one of the things that he uses is a, is a tool called pacing timer, because one of the things that he says he found difficult is, um, is pacing in his classroom, you know, figuring out, you know, is this lesson going to work? And, um, you know, is it going to fill the time allotted and, and all of those types of stuff? So if you're an educator, that's that's something to look into. One of the most useful things to me when I was in school was flashcards. And uh, back mm. then, the, the technology was very advanced. You had to go to the stationery store and buy pieces of paper and <laughs> write questions and answers on them. But the process of but, creating... But you could get multiple colors, right? Yeah, you could, and you could have highlighters. And I had I had a whole yeah. system, you know. And and then you know, anyway, it's it's a long story, but uh, it's come a long way with technology. And there are some great applications that allow you to create flashcards. And some of the things you can do with flashcards now that you couldn't with these digital ones that you couldn't do with the paper ones is like it can keep track of how many times you get certain cards right and wrong, and it can kind of skew the uh, the math so you see the ones you have more trouble with more often. And I don't know. I think if I was in school, I would be all over these flashcard applications. Um, I asked around, and it seems like the most popular two are the Evernote Peak application and Anki, A-N-K-I. If you're into Evernote. Um, there go, was a. Just, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, there was a, a really cool tip on on Twitter from Meg about time management um, that I hadn't considered. But you know, when you when you start a new school schedule every semester or every quarter, depending on what system you are, um, you have a new schedule that you've got to figure out where you're supposed to be and when. And she said for the first couple of weeks, what she does is she she writes up her schedule and then she takes a picture of it and sets that as her iPhone wallpaper for the first couple of weeks. I thought that was a clever idea. Yeah, fantastic. Great idea. Um, we we've actually seen that tip in a couple different contexts. Like I, someone once sent us a tip where they do that at conferences. If they're attending a conference, they take a picture of their agenda, their conference agenda, and save that as their wallpaper as well. But that's a, that's a good idea. A bunch of people also liked. I studies S T U D I E Z Pro for keeping track of their assignments is kind of as a, a specific uh, app for for students for keeping track of their assignments, uh, and we also got a recommendation for an app called Splitswise S P L I T W I S E for um, you know I guess just typical dorm life splitting up expenses um, between you and your roommates, which is a good idea. Another good one for that kind of money stuff would be maybe the PayPal app where you can bump each other money. Yeah. And I tell you, this is, this is somewhat unrelated, although I think it could benefit either from college students or from anybody else. I just saw a Macworld article. I think it was one of the Dan's, but I could be wrong. If I just say it was one of the Dan's, I've got a pretty good sh shot of being yeah, you right. Like right? A 50, um, 50 shot that it's somebody <laughs> at Macworld. <laughs> 
who's named Dan, um, wrote about an app called Plates. Um, and, and that was a, you know, solves a common problem of when you go out to eat with a bunch of people and, um, you know, you can't get individual checks and you're splitting the tab. Um, and people have ordered different things and some people have ordered drinks and some people haven't. And maybe, um, somebody decided you're going to split this, but not this, you know, d- dividing up a, an awkward bill between people fairly. Cause I was, right. I always hated that when we went out with people and they just said, Oh, we'll figure it out. And never did. Okay, so I only have two ways I do that. I either split it or I pay it all. Yeah. When, when somebody wants it's to say, policy. okay, let me see how much, what was your, did you get a drink? I'm like, ugh, just give me the bill. Anyway, um, so that, I guess now everybody in the world knows when they go out to dinner with me just to question the bill, and then I'll just pay it. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to order drinks and desserts and appetizers and whatever, and you can order a salad. And then we'll split. I'll just I'll just make you search your Scotty vest for some money. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, there there is so or, or much Sam, more what's that, what's that, that we sandwich could've... place, Katie. What's that sandwich place you like so much? <laughs> that sandwich place. I, I I I like McAllister's. It's not just a sandwich place. No, that you tell oh. you told me there's a place you always go for your sandwiches. What is it? Oh, I don't, I don't remember. I like I Jersey know. Mike's. I like, okay. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, but um, as as I was saying, there um, there was so much more that we could have talked about in this episode. And thank you to everybody who who sent in their feedback and their comments. Um, w- we've got to get a, a couple of more educators to come on and do workflow shows. In fact, I I have someone in mind that I'm going to be reaching out to in 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 the near future. And uh, and hopefully we'll we'll have them join us to to talk about um, their workflows and education as well. But if there was an app that you use in your education workflows um, or something that we didn't cover, this is what you can do. Take out your iPhone, uh, perhaps your fancy new iPhone 6 or whatever. There's a voice memo app on there and uh, record a quick voice memo for us. Keep it to two minutes or less. Uh, tell us who you are. Tell us about the app. Tell us how you use it and what problem it solves for you. Uh, and send that up to us as an email to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. And there's a pretty decent chance that we will include it on the next uh, MPU Live, which is the first Saturday of every month at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. You could also just send us a note to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com, or you could uh, drop us a line on Twitter. We're at MacPowerUsers. Katie's at Katie Floyd, and I'm at Max Sparky. All right, that'll wrap us up for this episode. Happy iPhone Day, everybody, although I know it's already passed. Hopefully you have ordered your iPhones, you got in queue, and have got the models you want shipping to you or uh, in your hot little hands, and uh, we will see you next time.